Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, July 26th. Oh man, and it's gonna be, oh no, it won't quite be August when this comes out, but like real close. Real close. Almost your birthday time. I know, like it's gonna be, I was just saying, it's kind of fun, we'll be recording the next one on my actual birthday, and people will be like, oh, what are you doing on your birthday? I'm like, oh wow, I'm gonna be doing a podcast, <laughs> and maybe having pizza, and there's no real full plan. You know, I got a couple of things, I always like watch a movie or something, or like just chill. But, you know, the party will be before that. That's the other thing is weird. Like, it's like my birthday's on a Tuesday, I think, which is not a holiday. The Monday's the holiday. Right, yes. So that's, I think that'd be good. But then it gets, and, and no one's ever here for long weekends. And my party's on the Sunday, which normally would be like crazy. But, you know, because the Monday's a day off, it, it's not that weird. I don't know if it's like this. It must be like this in every city. But on Canada Day long weekend, mm-hmm. which had the extra fun bonus of us with the threat of an invasion of <laughs> anti-masker bikers yes which was kind of nicely anticlimactic yeah a like, little bit obviously there were a lot of people and i know that a whole bunch of tickets actually got given out mm-hmm. etc anyhow that weekend i was walking my dog on the monday morning and i was just like it's a ghost town. There's nobody here. Everybody got out of Dodge and went to grandma's house or went to the cottage or whatever. And, and you could feel it that there was no one left. So on your birthday eve, it could be the same thing again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't leave the city, but I went to the other side of the city. Actually, I was not that far from here. Just, you know, a buddy of mine was having a barbecue. So just a few of us went there because I was like, I don't need to be near downtown pretty much ever i think i went to canada day maybe twice max and that was like when i was early 20s or whatever it was you know so because it's like it's an experience you know i mean and that's not even what it is now that was when they would have the lawn full of people and have a big to do you know and now it's just with all the construction and everything like that and every other thing that's been going on yeah you just wouldn't see it the way it used to be so i guess it's kind of nice to have experienced it once but oh my god it was so full of people that time i went this must have been like early 2000s and it was just wall to wall. It was like Blues Fest, but maybe even more people. Uncomfortable for me. Just so, so many people. And this was pre-COVID, so I can only imagine. Yeah, and some of it has reason. It's people going to free concerts or people mm-hmm. going to attempt to sit on a patio or there's events. Yeah. I think the NAC even might have some outdoor orchestra stuff. Like, so there's events. But sometimes you see people and it's just people wearing red randomly shuffling around like zombies <laughs> getting heat stroke <laughs> yeah pretty much and it was, it's a bit like 420 used to be where you just have like <laughs> yeah. not as big of a crowd but just sort of confused people milling about and it's kind of funny now because now that marijuana is legalized it's just you're sort of like is it a thing now do people go over 420 like it's again there's construction you can't really go anywhere anyways but it's like was that just more about trying to legalize it? Or was it about just like, hey, camaraderie, you know, we've got a day. It's like, it's like, that's another thing where it's like, I remember I went there one time just to see what it was like. And I was like, oh, wait, this is just like Canada Day, but with people who are a little more glazed over. Yeah, it was a few years back in the before times. And I don't know what we were doing, but Gwen and I happened to be biking around far enough away that we weren't downtown, <laughs> but kind of in the core and we could just hear the bare naked ladies on the wind because they were on Parliament Hill singing. And we could hear them pretty well, but we're like, yeah, but this is about as close as we want to get because you get any closer than that, and it's just shoulder to shoulder. And for the people who go on to Parliament Hill, you're just stuck there yeah, for all day. And there's security guards out there hosing people down and mm-hmm. stuff. But I guess if you wanted to, you could get out. But a lot of people are just standing there for a long time. The same with Blues Fest. There's a lot of people who go at 5 p.m. to be at the front row for a 7, 8, 9 p.m. concert. That's my favorite. I've witnessed it before. 
and I feel so bad. And sometimes the band is in the know about this, but sometimes a live festival outside is just random. It's just scheduling. It's like, oh, you're available at three, you're available at five, you're available at seven. Mm-hmm. So I've seen it before where, say, like the nine o'clock band was Wu Tang or something like that, and the seven o'clock band was Huey Lewis, <laughs> who would get a really good turnout anyways, but you'd see the first few rows and you'd be like, huh, I don't think you're Huey Lewis fans. No, and uh, hilariously, I was outside for Wu-Tang because I, I don't know, that year I was like, I don't re- I think they were only playing 45 minutes or something like that. And I was like, I don't really want to pay to go to this because that's all I really was interested in that day. And so my buddy and I, we were just standing outside, but they played, I'm pretty sure they played at 6 p.m. I and think I, so. I found yeah. that to be hilarious. It's Wu Tang. Like I'm, I have no problem with that. But I'm like, this scheduling feels a little odd to me. Like maybe seven, eight o'clock. No, it's like six p.m. It's bright out. And also cool was that there was this older couple that were next to us and that were also there to be outside for Wu-Tang. And they were like, you know, hugging and listening. And I was just like, this is so fun. I don't know. I, we didn't talk to them because it's like, hey, we're all doing our own thing. But I thought that was amazing. Well, the Kiss concert, I was on stage early in the morning setting up stuff, unloading a truck. Opening for Kiss. Basically. I, was, I was opening for Kiss. <laughs> that's yes. how I see it. And... They let in the crowd super early, I think, because the crowd was so big. Yeah. So I think we were finishing up. So say it was around noon or something like that. So we got to witness this running of the bulls (laughs) of people wearing black and face paint (laughs) to be at the front. And you got to remember, Kiss was on. Kiss... Pretty cool. Did a really long set. Mm -hmm. A ridiculously long. Like they went past the curfew, I think. Yeah. And so they do, you know, instead of doing an hour or an hour and a half, I'm pretty sure they did three hours or so. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. That's great if you're a fan. But if they went on at eight-ish and played till 1130, there's bands all day. Yeah. There's a little local band in the early afternoon and then somebody else. So those Kiss fans were just there all day watching all the other bands while the other band's fans were further back. Yeah. So it's this conundrum. Nobody's breaking any laws, Mm -hmm. but is it fair? Hopefully the Kiss fans were cool to the other musicians, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I'll always remember that, the running of the bulls. And it was hot. It was summertime. Yeah, no, that like that's just the situation I would never be in ever. Like it's just, and, and it's sort of funny. Like this year, we could hear from our place almost every night actually. But like when Rage was playing, you could hear. You couldn't quite hear the lyrics, but you could hear the bass, the drums, like everything. And if you know the band, you're like, oh yeah, it's this song. So it's just kind of funny. Like I'm literally sitting in my basement, and I can hear it. I'm assuming going across the water and like coming out over the North River or whatever it is. You know, and I thought that was why I was like, wow, you guys are playing so loud. If I was there, I would need earplugs. And now I'm in my basement and I'm kind of like, God, just turn it down a little bit. Yeah, there's times where when I was there and there'd be people front row at some very loud show with no earplugs. Yeah. And I was a great distance back with earplugs Mm -hmm. and a headset over those (laughs) earplugs to listen to the lighting director. Like a baby would have. (laughs) Yeah. And I would look at them and just feel like a grandpa being like, you kids, you're going to ruin your hearing. And somebody told me a story recently that they were at something like that. And then they went deaf essentially for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And then we're hearing ringing. Yeah. And I'm like, none of that's good. (laughs) None of that's good. I even feel like that at the movies sometimes. Like, not here so much, but we went and saw Thor. It was okay, but I was worried because it was crank. It's, yeah. And I get it. Like, it's not really for me necessarily. But I'm like, wow, do I ever... If I needed a reminder of getting older, I'm like, wow, I wish <laughs> yeah. I had brought earplugs to this. When we were screening Tenet 
I always want to say Tennant. Yeah. Tennant. David Tennant. David Tennant. It was during, that was one of the back from COVID, but then we weren't actually back from COVID mm-hmm. movies. So we were screening that and this place was shaken <laughs> and we didn't have it cranked up to 11. We had it at our normal thing, but those Chris Nolan movies don't mess around. No. And I always think if you're in a multiplex with a thin wall of asbestos between you and you're watching yeah. a romantic comedy on screen 11 and Tenet is on screen 12 and 10 and 9, you're definitely hearing those rumbles. Yeah, no, and for shows, I mean, if you're in a club, like, I mean, if you're at Targ, oh my God, you definitely would need earplugs. I mean, I would. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there's times where there would be a rock and or roll band playing at Targ and I'd be on the ladder switching the marquee and not like a little bit. I would 100% hear it. Yeah. And I think it was just perfect where as the door, the door might have been open because it was summertime. So it was pointed right at me. And because I've asked them there, I'm like, you guys ever get complaints for neighbors? Because there's not residential right next door, Mm -hmm. but just east of them is residential. And they're like, no. And I think they're just lucky that their basement and the way they're pointed, Mm -hmm. that those people behind do not hear them. Yeah, and it's funny when that door pops open because it's just so loud. And then it closes, <laughs> yeah. and it's just such a like surreal thing where you just get probably like seven seconds of the band, and you're like, what's, what, where's that coming? Oh, they're right, tired. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's so funny. I always think of, I got to research this more, but once upon a time, and I believe this overlapped, we were a porno theater. Right. Not for very long. <laughs> I, th- I think it was like two years or three years, and Targ was a strip club. Different name. I don't know what it was called, but... <laughs> What a weird, different neighborhood, because all these, just to be blunt, rather rich, high-priced houses Mm -hmm. were right beside us on Euclid Street, Yeah, and a grade school just south of us. I think all those things were still there, and I think maybe right across, I could be wrong, but might have been a grocery store, like Black Squirrel Books and Pinago, Okay, I think might have been a grocery store. So weird. So imagine that, that (laughs) instead of creep show playing here or yeah. everything everywhere <laughs> it's still a creep show it's, it's just still, a yeah. different kind and then the house of tug across the street oh You're my like, god oh, i'm not feeling this and the same thing it was a basement with low ceilings <laughs> so it's not like these ladies had a lot of movement or pole work to do or yeah, anything it's not even a big space no like like it for what they have it's the perfect space but i couldn't imagine like you take out all the pinball machines mm-hmm. if the bar was in the same place which i do not know and is it seats, I guess? I don't know. I Or like little tables, like smaller tables than they even have now. I probably have those circle tables, you know, where you can sort of yeah. awkwardly sit three people, but not really. Well, and in our slideshow, and if you Google Mayfair Theater, you will find this photo very easily. Because there's not a ton of photos out there because we all only started carrying around cameras a couple years ago. Yeah. And seemingly, although the technology existed before that... It wasn't as common. The amount of pictures I've taken of my dog or ducklings in the canal or a house being torn down in the past two days, which I would not have taken back in the day because I wasn't carrying around a camera. So there's a photo of the Mayfair, black and white, with somebody walking by. And at first glance, you're like, oh, cool, the Mayfair, the big marquee's up. Oh, neat. But then you look at what is on the marquee, and one is is it bed bunnies? One is something with bunnies and one is, so it's both X-rated movies and yeah. the photo is not like super duper high def, but yeah. you can see it. But then one of our super fans, I don't know how, but they looked at the blurry image of the poster 
in the photo, and they found what movies it was. Man. And these are not light, fluffy, boogie nights kind of porno movies. These are real nasty X-rated. Yeah, these are booby nights kind of scenarios. Yeah. You know, much these worse. Are, so just so crazy to think of ghosts of that exist <laughs> in this cinema as we are playing Saturday morning cartoons or Pee-wee's Big Adventure or, you know. yeah. All these kind of kid-friendly fa- or classics, you know, "It's a Wonderful Life" is yeah. playing on the same screen where other things played once upon a time. I'm not gonna lie to you; I don't never think about that when I'm sitting yeah, in there. Yeah. I think about the cigar smoke. I assume there was cigar smoke at some point. You oh know, yeah, and all that. Like, and just, I mean, it's one of those things you try not to think about because it's like pretty gross. Let's be honest. But still, like, I love the image of one of our super fans CSIing this scenario <laughs> and like yeah. getting a little like magnifying glass or whatever, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can, I can tell what that." says and god talk about cigar smoke we're both just a little too young like we might have been babies and i think it was already going extinct to be able to smoke in cinemas and Mm -hmm. airplanes and all that kind of stuff i don't remember any of that i remember at bars do you remember it at McDonald's? I might remember it at Ooh. McDonald's oh, when I was God. like four. That sounds horrific. I remember ashtrays at McDonald's, but yeah. I don't have a clear memory of actually seeing someone smoke. It might have been, say if the McDonald's was kind of L-shaped with the cash registers. Oh, yeah. The L part hiding around the corner. Yeah, it was a smoking section. That might have been the smoking section. Yeah. But there was no doors or magic walls. No, no. So that all wafted <laughs> out still. There was no, Really, they needed their own ball pit for smoking or something like that. Yeah, ball pit or the McDonald's fun area and then a smoke area beside it. Man, yeah, no, I definitely, I do remember, like, because they had the little circle ashtrays with the M logo in it. Whoa. I, I for sure remember that. But for me, it was like, I remember bars, it would have been the last probably two years that they were allowed. The one that I, I think of was uh, Fox and Feather. I remember being there and it just being wall-to-wall smoke. Oh, yeah. And then the next year or something. Because like, this would have been like early 2000s. Again. That's what most of my memories of Ottawa are from, I guess. Yeah. And I just remember that. Because it's one of those things where I'm like, in the moment, you, you know, you don't think about it. You know, you don't really like it. But you, you're kind of just like, oh, this is a thing. And what am I going to do? Go to everyone and be like, hey, stop smoking, even though you're allowed. But then when it went away, you're like, holy shit, this is so much better for everyone. Oh, literally yeah. everyone. <laughs> 100%. I was working at Roger's Video. Right across the street from Barrymore's, which sadly is not the noble yeah. rock and roll place it once was. Yes, it still looks cool. If you just pay attention to the outside and never <laughs> yeah. think about anything else, it's fine. And the last two shows I saw in the smoking era, and it's sadly kind of when Barrymore started falling apart right after that as well. Pretty much back to back, I think, a week in a row, saw Biff Naked mm. and Sloan. So <laughs> Canadian content yeah, all classics. the way. But I remember, if I'm remembering in the correct order... The Biff Naked show, it was, Barrymore's was packed. I don't know what their capacity was, but it's it was a big place with kind of horseshoe balconies going up. Mm-hmm. So it was all packed and the dance floor was packed and we were up near the back mingling and you could just see plumes of smoke, <laughs> just smoke, smoke, smoke. And then Sloan a week later, if I'm not getting that backwards, was no smoke. And I remember the exact same feeling of standing in there going... Oh, wow, this is better. Man, that was such a... You're really making me miss that venue. And not the smoking part, but the... You yeah. Know, it's, it's such a cool setup there. And, like, I only saw a handful of shows, but I, mean, I think the last show I saw was The Eels, which would have been, like, 2003, I think. Did you ever see... Lee DeMarb stuff there? No. Because I didn't I thought you were gonna say playing a show and no. I'm picturing Lee like with a with an axe or yeah. something. Like, I mean, oh my god. Before the Mayfair, Lee did some shows there. I think he might have done one or two tied in with the Animation Fest. I'll have to hmm. double check with him. And he did some kind of cinema type stuff there. Wow. And I believe possibly 
Star Wars Holiday Special. That sounds because I know he did like arts court stuff. I think it was yeah, and and maybe even um, Zephods. But I'm I like, saw way him, off base on that. I don't yeah, know. Zephods as well. But I know I saw him do a couple things at Barrymore's back when I worked at West Coast Video. Oh, wow, pre partners, and, and he worked at West Coast Video Orleans. <laughs> And it's so crazy because we didn't really meet, yeah. but we were acquainted every once in a while because I can't believe people were so starved for entertainment that every once in a while we would say, oh, we don't have that movie, but our computer says our Orleans store does. We can get that over for you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And people would go, okay. You think about that now and you're like, wow, people would be sitting at home waiting for their copy of In the Mouth of Madness or whatever because we didn't have it but Orleans did. So I would cross over with Lee there and now we've been in the trenches of owning a cinema together forever. Yeah, and that used to be a thing. Like I remember, I think I was working at a place called Just New Real Leases and it was like real, you know? And that was the thing, like once a day or maybe twice a day, there would be the drive where you'd pick up seven, eight, whatever it was, VHS tapes and drive them over to the other location. And that was like the thing and it's so weird to think about today like so archaic but that was the thing in between you know like it it wasn't magic or whatever it was just like there was okay here's your job you know billy you gotta drive these tapes over to the other place and excuse me because i've told this story before i'm sure i'll just be quick when we worked at west coast we would deliver to carlton university it was some weird thing where once or twice a day maybe more frequently maybe it was like once an hour for five hours oh wow somebody would drive back and forth and do something like that That sounds awful yeah but we'd have a couple people who would call and it was just fast times it was just (laughs) stoner and some guy would call and go like oh can you send us a couple movies and we would say Okay, which movies would you like? And they go, oh, we don't care. Just something good. Send us something good. Oh, you love that. That must be like your favorite time where you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I can pick whatever I want. So it would go both ways. Either we would, with all good intentions, try to send something good. And then they would call back and be like, why'd you send us these movies? The color purple. I'm high as hell. I don't want to watch this. Or we would be jerks and send over Spice World and the Power Rangers movie. And they'd call back and be like, oh, we don't like these movies. Can we get two different movies? Oh, man. And it would just be this loop of either well-meaning trying or just saying, well, let's try this. And, you know, it's a video store. It was a a little ma and pa video store. But nonetheless, there's, I don't know, what's the math? There's like 4,000 movies in there, Mm. something like that. So, but yeah, that was a thing. Can you imagine that of like on a Friday night? I always remember this at Roger's Video. On a Friday night, our store would empty out and people would be in this panic. And I'm like... I know you have TV. I know you can read or have a video game system. There must be something else you can do. But they'd be in this panic and just randomly grabbing the three leftover films. Like, okay, I got Police Academy 5. Oh, man. And I've got some old film noir. And I got a Barney movie. They would just be in a panic to have anything to do. And that always kind of made me sad a little bit. Yeah. And, and I mean, half the battle was just like looking at the covers and not knowing. You know I mean? For a lot of us like who didn't yeah. have the... Well, I don't want to say guts, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, you didn't want to ask the person for a recommendation. It's more just like, oh, come on. I don't need some person telling me what to watch. I can figure this out by looking at the VHS covers myself. Or I'd, like back in the day, we would have, oh, do you have episode two? Do you have Attack of the Clones? And we go, no, that's in theaters right now. Oh, so you don't have it yet? Like, oh, my God. You no. just got a similar question about Nope. When yeah. someone's like, when are you getting Nope? And you're like, it hasn't even opened yet. I mean, yeah. now it has, but it basically hasn't opened yet. Nobody knows. Yeah. And when people ask that, I just try to reply politely. But I'm like, 
we're the little Mayfair Theater. Nope, hasn't come out in multiplexes <laughs> yet. We played Jordan's last two films. We hope to play the next ones, but it doesn't work like that. We might not get it at all. We hope to get it. But... Yeah. So when people ask that, I'm just like, I know you don't have to know everything about how this works, but you must have some broad stroke of an idea that it wouldn't come here right away. Yeah, the, the multiplex two blocks away maybe <laughs> yeah. kind of has a, a chokehold on that for now. But, yeah. you know, we'll do everything we can. I mean, we want to see it more than anyone. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get it, but it doesn't work like that. The other thing that just happened was somebody asked... So we're playing this Versus Film Festival, mm. which is Lee's bright idea, which is super fun, where we're doing eight movies, four Hitchcock, four De Palma, all of which have a crossover yeah. with each other. And obviously Snake Eyes with Nick Cage is one of the... No, <laughs> yeah. it's not one of them. And so, of course, because it's the internet, somebody complained that they didn't <laughs> oh, agree no. with a couple of the matchups in what set like that they weren't good movies or that they no. didn't make sense as a as a twofer or whatever exactly okay. yeah that they didn't make sense as a matchup and they declared that <laughs> other things would make more sense okay specifically psycho uh, so usually i would leave that alone but oh i was no. just i was just like i don't Here know we go. i got time today i got to, yeah <laughs> so i i just googled and i forget even what the movies in question were but i googled the two films mm -hmm. and immediately found a new yorker article that compared the two films. Hmm. And then the complaint was two other films, and I instantly found a Guardian article that compared the two films. It also said these films had psycho-esque stuff in them, because okay. De Palma is all about Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. So I just replied, and I said, with a very quick Google search, I have found that The New Yorker agrees with our selection, and The <laughs> Guardian agrees with our selection. That was just a very quick Google search. They also said psycho, but it's this and that. And I didn't say this, but then Andrew actually pointed out that he's pretty sure that Psycho is for some reason vaulted and is not available. Well, so. even if it wasn't, we've played it so many times and it's also like so obvious. Yeah. Right. Like it's just it's a great movie. It's a classic. But I mean, wouldn't you rather see something else we haven't played in the last 10 years? Whatever. Yeah. So they did say, oh, still looking forward to it, which is great. <laughs> but I'm just I'm always just like, why? Why say anything? I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. But Yeah, especially when you're only picking four of each. Like, it's literally impossible to play all the stuff we want or to please everyone. So it's like, they're all good movies. Like, who even cares? Yeah, it would be like if we miraculously were doing a versus and it was, say, Star Wars A New Hope versus an old-timey Buck Rogers movie. Oh, that'd be awesome. Or Star Wars A New Hope versus a Kurosawa movie. Or Star Crash. Or Star Crash. <laughs> you could say... Or Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. You could say, yeah, all those make sense, but everything is everywhere all at once. That's yeah. I learned that once. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And for several weeks, in fact. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be hard. But I mean, it's cool because like with two directors like that, no matter what you pick, it's going to be entertaining. And I came to see 310 to Yuma last night. Oh, yeah. And oh, my God, it was so good. And Marcus had up the trailer for Vertigo. And boy, oh, boy, these trailers... <laughs> The 4K restorations, they yeah. look so good. They just look so good. So on the heels of this Western Fest we're doing with One to Go, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance oh, coming up on this so schedule. Good. So good. These old Hitchcock movies, and I'm sure the De Palma ones, and they're all restored. They're mm -hmm. all 4K, 2K, whatever. But especially something like Vertigo, which even at the time was so gimmicky of all its crazy right. dream sequences and color and everything. It looks great. 
so yeah, I'm very looking forward to all these crazy versus mashups that we have. Yeah, and I don't actually think I've seen Vertigo. I, I, I kind of get confused. I, I lump several of them together, like, you know, North by Northwest and Vertigo. And I kind of like, there's there's a few where I'm just sort of like, I have vague memories of the most famous parts, pretty much. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure, because I know they played all of those on Saturday Night at the Movies, like yeah. back in the day. So I want to say that I have, but it's also been so long since I've watched them. I'm just like, I don't, I don't remember anymore. That's happened to me before. I was reading through old Spider-Mans on my Marvel Unlimited app. <laughs> so unlike you. And I read the Death of Gwen Stacy issue. Oh, shed a tear, I'm sure. I had, you know, I thought I'd read it before. But yeah. going through those 22, 24 pages, I was like, I have never read this. But I've read about it on the back of a trading card. Mm-hmm. I've read about it as Spider-Man thinks back upon it. I've read articles about it i've talked about it so it's just like it's in my brain Mm -hmm. and the same thing happened to me here with barbarella a couple years ago i just thought i saw barbarella because i'd seen it on t-shirts i'd seen it in documentaries i'd seen jane fonda talking about it and about 20 minutes into the movie i was like damn it i've never seen this before yeah so that's happened to me a couple times where you know you watch afi documentaries and history of film documentaries and you read a coffee table book so you get pieces of it in your brain and then you're watching Barbarella and going, I've never seen this before at all. Yeah, I was like that with Flash Gordon, where oh, yeah. I just I assumed I had seen it. And it was written by Lorenzo Semple Jr., I think, who did 60s Batman. And it's very colorful and definitely has 60s Batman elements to it, you know. And so it just seemed like a kind of thing I would have seen. And there's lots of parts that everyone knows. But, you know, when I actually saw it for the first time, especially the Queen soundtrack, you know, it's just like, yeah, so fun. And, and I, I may have even watched it here. Like we've shown that. Yeah. yeah okay. I've seen it here. Yeah. So I'm not imagining that part at least. So, but yeah, like it, it is weird when you see these, like, I, I was going to say seminal movies. I mean, they kind <laughs> yeah. of are in a way, but like not in the way that a uh, psycho or North by Northwest is, but in the way that movies that to me are. Yeah, stuff doesn't have to be good for it to be important No, no. cool. <laughs> it's all that. And as a side note, talking about young people today not knowing about video stores and whatnot, there was a thing at work this morning where somebody had to burn a CD. And the only people that were on site were teenagers. Basically, I think the one guy is like 21, but the other guy is 18. And so I was like, oh, my God, I am here for this. <laughs> like a teenager having to learn how to burn a CD. And it was obviously, you know, they figured it out with some assistance. But I just like, I don't know. There's just this, you get this little... Not smirk, but, you know, a little smile where you're just like, oh, my God, this is I kind of like the idea of, uh, yeah, it's like starting to become archaic technology to a point. But it's cool when you well, to me, I don't know if they think it's cool, but I'm like, it's fun that you're like having to learn this skill and this thing that you and I have done a 100 times that just is not as important these days. But it's still, you know, it does come to bear. And I was like, to me, that's cool. I don't know if they felt the same, but I thought it was neat. (laughs) You think about the typewriter and it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Something will always be the typewriter. Yeah. Okay, let us mention the movie screening the week of Friday, July 29th, 2022. First up, we have a brand new film under the genre of you could bring the whole family or grandma to this oh. movie, Peace by Chocolate. So it's about a family that moves to Canada. I'm not sure where in Canada. They're Syrian refugees, oh. and they open up a chocolate shop. Oh, I think it's a true story. If not, I'm let's, I'm saying it's yeah, a true story. It may as well. You know, it's like that Chocolat movie with Juliette Binoche, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Who was just on our screens right now in yeah. Double-Sided Blade or whatever it was. So, yeah, it's one of those feel-good films, but also has really high reviews. Three and a half out of four from Independent Critic, nine out of ten from Cultured Vultures. <laughs> I uh, like the sound of that. Won a bunch of awards. 
it's funny because despite us being weirdos who play a lot of crazy Tetsuo type movies, <laughs> it's nice to get these kind of movies on screen sometimes too to appeal to both sides of the coin. Yeah, both sides of the blade. Then we have the Ottawa premiere of a film called Resurrection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I keep seeing the poster for this, and I'm like, it almost actually looks a little Hitchcocky in the poster. I'm like, what's going on there? Very much, yeah. So it is a successful woman with a perfect life and a cool but high-maintenance daughter. Her carefully balanced life is upended when an unwelcome shadow of her past appears, and that unwelcome shadow of her past is Tim Roth. Oh, see, he's never unwelcome here, but in this <laughs> no. movie. And it's funny because like that part sounds like the both sides of the blade plot a little yeah. bit where you're like, everything's cool, and then this guy from the past comes. So this looks like Rebecca Hall kicking ass, and it's, I think, yeah, very much kind of one of those Hitchcockian strong female lead modern twists mm-hmm. where... Tim Roth is a bad guy who shows back up and she has to survive that. Yeah, Mr. And Orange or whatever it was. The trailer looks really good and kind of thriller scary. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, I think, probably even classify in the gaslighting category. Because oh. there's a scene of him and her at a coffee shop and he's like, hey, I just happened to see you and just checking in to see if you're okay. And her face does not look to be matching oh, up man. with that. He's rothing it up just like he likes. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I like her a lot. Rebecca Hall is really good. And we always love Tim Roth. I mean, you know, he has yes. a, he's just sort of like in and out of things randomly. And then you're like, oh, yeah, Tim Roth. Yeah. Well, every time he's not in a Tarantino movie, I'm like, you know him, Tarantino. For sure. Put him in your movie. And he was in, uh, I was going to say Hollywood Homicide, but that's that Josh Hartnett, <laughs> Harrison Ford one. Once Upon a Time. Yeah, that's the ticket. And he was in it, but he got cut. I think it was. Which is bonkers. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a long movie, too. So you're like, how big was his scene? Like, we couldn't have thrown him in, in during the credits or something, you know? Yeah. Who cuts Tim Roth? Tarantino. Apparently. <laughs> Tarantino does. I think he's the one guy who's allowed. So then we have a documentary about Leonard Cohen called oh, Hallelujah. Yeah. So this. I think before, at least once, we've played a documentary about Leonard Cohen. For sure, yeah. This one is focused in on that specific song. Mm -hmm. So about that time in in his life, about why he wrote it. And one of those interesting stories that it was one of those things, almost like when you hear this about whether it be Sherlock Holmes or Star Wars or something that Shakespeare wrote where the powers that be looked at it and went, ah, I don't want that. This will never work. (laughs) So Hallelujah was one that almost didn't make the album the producers were like you don't want to put this on there mm-hmm. and then it came out and nothing really happened but then as the years went by people covered it it started showing up in movies and now it became his song so this is what that movie covers is this weird life that one piece of music can have it's pretty wild friend was saying the other day he, he saw the thing about this and was like is that a documentary about one song and, and I was like, that doesn't seem right, but let me look into it. And, and it's sort of like, it is and it isn't. Like, right. I think it's like about his career as well. But, and, and it's funny because I, I, I told him at the time that they just put out another full length documentary about American Pie, about that song. Oh, not, right. Not the movie series. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. that's coming too, I'm sure. But, and I was just like, wow, how, how do you do a 96 minute movie about one song? But I mean, when it's something that's touched that many people, it totally makes sense. And especially the amount of times that Hallelujah has been covered. Like, oh my God, it must be like 90 times different people, you know? I only know this from the trailer. Some music historian or Rolling Stone writer or something gets a smirk on his face and goes, and then there was Shrek. So evidently, <laughs> Hallelujah was in Shrek. Indeed. And that was enormous because a whole bunch of little kids then heard Leonard Cohen for the first time way back 20 years ago yeah and now those kids are 20 years older and possibly 
listening to Leonard Cohen as an adult, thanks to Shrek of all things. And that would have been the first time a lot of kids heard Smash Mouth as well. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was a seminal soundtrack. Hashtag release the Smash Mouth doc. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question. I was like, where is that doc? But, you know, one thing at a time. So then... Reaching back into the Agfa vaults once again. What's it going to be? Thank you, American Genre Film Archives. We love you. We are screening Female Prisoner number 701, Scorpion. Oh, man. It's the Scorpion that does it for me. You had me with the female prisoner thing, but Scorpion. Because I'm always like, is she fighting a Scorpion? Does she get bit by a Scorpion? That gives her her powers? Like, who knows? Is her codename Scorpion? That makes a lot more sense than the stuff I said. So this movie is... After being used and betrayed by the detective she fell in love with, young Matsu is sent to a female prison full of sadistic guards and disobedient prisoners. Oh, God. That's my favorite part. Disobedient prisoners. Yeah, like, wait a minute. Because up to that point, you're like, ah, screw all these dudes. And you're like, wait, okay, yeah, they're disobedient in the worst place on earth. Okay. So this is 50th anniversary screening. The film's from 1972. There was a trilogy of these movies that I think all came out really fast. A lot of these movies from that kind of grindhouse era, mm-hmm. I think it was like 72, 3, 4. I yeah. think they came out back to back. This movie, if you're not familiar with it, I'm not either. I'll be seeing this for the first time as we have it here. It was a lot of influence for Quentin in the Kill Bill movies. And there's a piece of music, a very iconic piece of music that's in Kill Bill that was lifted from this movie. And Uma Thurman took influence of the bride from this character as well. So besides her being a cool Japanese grindhouse movie for you Tarantino nerds, very important piece of his ripoff history as well. (laughs) That's the thing. Obviously, like so many influence, like they call her one eye and stuff like that. Like, I mean, so many of these, I'm going to say revenge type thing, because I'm assuming she probably gets revenge. I could be totally wrong. I would hazard a guess (laughs) that there is some revenge in this movie. I don't want to like, I can't even spoil because I haven't seen it. So I'm going to go ahead and assume there's a good amount of revenge by the end of it. But yeah, it's so wild to see things like these on a big screen at all. But here of all places, the the house of cage, you know, (laughs) it's going to be perfect. So then the aforementioned man who shot Liberty Valance wraps Mm. up our Western festival. So good. Maybe the best of the fest. Oh, yeah. Maybe not. I really like 310 to Yuma and High Noon. Shane and Red River were good. Yeah, just overlong for you. Yeah, and Shane kind of had that little kid who was a little bit annoying. It was a bit much. My dad conceded that he was annoying in one scene only. (laughs) And I I was like, well, I'm not going to push here. Like, he was annoying through almost the whole movie, but it's fine. And it was in color. I like the black and white. It's more fun. That's true. So, so far, what's the high point for you so far? High noon? Yeah. 310 to Yuma, the climax was very good. Mm -hmm. And just the simplicity where a lot of the movie is... This really charismatic good guy, bad guy. My favorite kind of bad guy. Like, he's not wringing his hands. He's not anarchy like Joker. Mm -hmm. He's a bad guy. And then the good guy trying to get him to this train. And a big chunk of the movie is them sitting in a hotel room, just kind of having a morality play of him trying to bribe him. Yeah. And then the climax where it's them trying to get to that train. And that character, the bad guy was so good. I love that kind of type of character where he's bad, but mm-hmm. he's not really bad. Yeah. That was a super fun movie. But yeah, 310 to Human High Noon. High Noon, I love that it was real time. And yeah, it, the pacing was so good in that. And movie. both of them had that cowardly aspect to it of our hero was trying to get help and cowards betrayed him. Those were an interesting juxtaposition, those two films of being slightly anti-Western. Mm-hmm. Shane, I thought it was just, it's a little basic. It's 
a mystery man comes to town. The town's in trouble. They fight the bad guys. The mystery man tips his hat and leaves into the sunrise or the sunset yeah. or whatever. Annoying kid chases him. Annoying kid yeah. says, no, Shane, I love you. <laughs> the end. So yeah. it was good, but just it wasn't different. Yeah. So this one, though, it's hard to say now, like rewatching High Noon reminded me of just how great it was. And so yeah. I, I don't want to say this one's better, but my memories of this one are great. And, and like the cast is incredible, obviously. Yeah. That's all I can say. You definitely want to come out and see this one on the big screen. It, it is just a great looking movie. And the soundtrack, well, I assume the whole soundtrack is good, but I mean, the theme song is amazing and just so catchy. And I have I have the seven inch of that, obviously. So oh, cool. And go important. watch the trailer. The trailer is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Trailers in the good old days, they weren't shy. They're just like, this is the greatest film ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you so imagine good. that nowadays? Whatever, a new mainstream movie coming out, whether it be Avengers or something, and just saying that, the greatest motion picture spectacle of all time. And they're like, for the first time ever, these three greats uh, share the screen together or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. They just don't do that anymore. No. And and John Wayne gets punched in the face by James Stewart in the trailer. So you're like, oh, wow, I got to see more about this. So that means even if you feel uncomfortable because he was a bad guy, at least Jimmy Stewart punches him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You can just loop that into a gif and feel (laughs) a lot better about it. And then finally this week, we have our second Saturday Night Cinema of the month, our Free For Members, members only, late, late secret presentation. What could it be? We don't know. Who's going to present it? We don't know that either. We don't know that either. So yeah, it's possible Lee might not be there. And if so, hopefully I'll be doing it. But if not, then he'll be doing it or maybe some other person. If I'm doing it, I know what it is already. If not, I'll probably come out anyways. It's my extendo birthday event. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I kind of like the seat of the pants thing of it where it's like, Oh, by the way, it's in three days and I need you to do it. So it's just like, all right, got to get cracking on that speech. And then I spend more time on the speech than anyone even cares about hearing it. I'm just like, I've been pouring over my manuscript for days now. It's like 90 minutes. Yeah. And you've got a PowerPoint presentation. It's longer than the movie itself most (laughs) of the time. So as long as Lee doesn't get eaten by the Blair Witch while he's camping, we don't know whether you're doing it or he is. But We'll see. Someone's doing it. It'll be good no matter what it is. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to wrap this up for the week. You can find information on upcoming films. Look up all those versus Hitchcock De Palma movies on our website, mayfairtheater.ca. We are on all the social media. That's where you can find news of upcoming movies. We'll see you back here in the cinema soon in our air-conditioned cinema. I saw an old photo and it just (laughs) said, it's cool inside. And it was some old 1950s New York cinema. And I'm like, we need one of those. Yeah. It's cool inside. Both temperature-wise and just all the stuff we have in Oh, here. yeah, both. Yeah, it's twice. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon at our cool inside cinema. Bye. Bye. did a rewatch of Barbed Wire because I remember liking it as a kid. And I was like, maybe uh, all these people are wrong. They're not wrong. It is so bad. Kids are dumb. It was a bad waste of time. Lee Martin's terrorizing a small western town. Liberty Valance, the toughest man south of the picket wire. Next to me. But John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart are determined to bring him to justice. What kind of man are you? This kind, dude. You better start packing a handgun. I don't want to kill him. I want to put him in jail. Out here, a man settles his own problems. Pilgrim, but that's what you're up against with Valance. He's almost as fast as I am. I don't like tricks myself, so that makes us even. Either you get out of town, or tonight you'll be out in that street alone. John Ford's Western classic, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance.